You're listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. We are closing in on the dog days of summer. Bit soupy out there today. It is time to think about how you're going to relax and unwind a little bit this summer. If you listened to the radio program yesterday, you know I talked a great deal about my frustration of not being able to get a fishing license. I can't get my outdoors card updated. I'm going to do a little fishing next week. Not very much. A little bit with my kids. And I just went on a complete rant. I went on and on and on about it. And when I finished the show, there was a very kind email from a listener who said, "Um, next week is family fishing week in Ontario. You don't need a license next week, pal. So there. You were just trying to make an old man happy. And you did. You made me happy. So it's time to think a little bit more about how you will relax. I might relax by doing a little fishing in which I don't need a license. With us this hour, the former mayor of London and odds-on favorite to become the next prime minister of Britain, Boris Johnson. Boris, how do you like to kick it way back? I make things. I make buses. You make buses. That is Boris Johnson. If you have not seen that, just have a look on the tube, any kind of your tubes that you go to, the Twitter tube, the YouTube, the Twitch tube, whatever tube you use, and just watch it. It is it is incredible. Boris Johnson talking about how he likes to paint buses out of wine boxes. That, thank you, Boris. I appreciate that. Now, anybody hungry? Anybody hungry for a little bit of meat? Because it looks like there's about to be a glut of burgers to stuff in your gut this summer. There may be a lot of Canadian beef just available. You know, can can JT pull this bacon out of the fire? Because Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie have left Ottawa now for the G20 summit in Japan, where Trudeau is hoping to make progress with China because of these ongoing problems with China, and specifically now, meat. He's going to have to rely on the U.S. president to deliver on a promise of raising the issue of two detained Canadians with the Chinese president because Xi Jinping is not going to be meeting with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Now, all of this follows the announcement that China is renewing a demand that Canada suspend all meat exports, and they're citing forged certificates. What's your beef, Xi? You don't dig on the Canadian back bacon? How long do you think the nation of China can survive without our maple-glazed hams, exactly? You thought Tiananmen Square was an uprising, pal. Okay, so you can survive without it. Fine, but could we interest you in some venison sausage? Well, now, wait a second. This really isn't about meat at all, is it? It's, it's about that Chinese telecom Ah, you see the thing, you see the signs on the side of the road. How do you pronounce that again? Huawei. 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 So it's actually just about Huawei, and more specifically, the Huawei executive that is being detained in Vancouver awaiting extradition to the United States, and her name is... Meng Wanzhou. Again? This is not how you pronounce it. The Chinese telecoms executive Ming Wanzhou as the Meng Wanzhou. A sometimes elusive figure, Meng Wanzhou has 
following the arrest of Huawei's CFO Meng Wanzhou. Meng Wanzhou. Meng Wanzhou. Wanzhou. Quickly, here is our chief political egghead and a man who eats his steaks rare all the time, David Aiken, with more on the view from Ottawa and all of this. The message from the West, Canada included, will be, China, you've got an unemployment problem. You've got a food safety problem. You know, you want your businesses to be healthy and prosperous. Here's how we all win. You follow international rules of trade. That is David Aiken talking about the ongoing problem with our meat and China. Now, from a boxer rebellion against our beef to the French Revolution currently underway at Queen's Park. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. With Chief of Staff Dean French out, now his political appointees are following him out the exits. And in the world, in the words of the world's most famous dean. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? Yeah, ain't that a kick in the head, Dino? Let's bring in a key member of our Rat Pack, our Queen's Park Bureau Chief, Travis Danraj, with more on the fallout from the Dean French appointments. Hello, Travis. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Can you pronounce the name of the uh, the the Huawei executive that's being held in Vancouver? I I I, I definitely cannot. You are I, you, you are doing some fill-in anchoring uh, shortly over the summer, are you not? <laughs> I hope I have some good producers who can look up pronouncers for me. Oh uh, well, here here, let me help you. Meng Wanzhou. Just there you go. You want to try there it? You go. Try it. I I, I I'm not I'm not even gonna nope. <laughs> Uh, okay. Let's move on to uh, Dino and what is the latest fallout? There are now more appointments that are being rescinded. Oh boy! Yeah, I mean this uh, this story. You know, Queen's Park is supposed to be quiet right now. Let's just start with that, right? Um, the uh, our the house has risen until October twenty eighth, I believe it is, um, and you know things are supposed to be pretty calm. Well, after our story first broke on Thursday about these two appointments that have now been rescinded um, uh, related to Dean French and, you know, folks that were supposed to go to New York and London, England, uh, that have connections to French, well, there have been a series of stories over the past couple of days that more and more drip, drip, dripping out, uh, and it seems like the uh, you know bloodletting is not done yet. Uh, the uh, integrity commissioner uh, is being asked to look into this by the liberals and uh, the NDP. They're asking for a full review of all of the appointments uh, related to uh, the, the public appointments uh, that Dean French may have had uh, some kind of part in. So, I mean, that's the latest today. But it seems every day there is a, an appointment that is being rescinded. Somebody that's resigning. There, there is a full review now of all appointments, kind of combing through all of this. So, so the the premier announced, uh, I think it was yesterday. It's, it's all kind of a blur, but he announced that they were going to review pending appointments. The NDP is calling for a review of. All all appointments. And the Liberals, as I mentioned, they're asking the Integrity Commissioner to look into this as well. So we will see what happens, but right now, uh, as it stands, there's a review of pending appointments. So right now, uh, if you're a former lacrosse player, you're just burying your all your lacrosse gear in the, in the yard, like, I got nothing to do. St. Mike's lacrosse, Dean French never heard of him. <laughs> well, you know, it was interesting because you go down to the cafeteria sometimes and you would see some younger staffers, uh, younger male staffers that kind of congregated together and, and 
now we're finding out that some of these uh, young folks were lacrosse players that went to St. Mike's. Now, uh, apparently a couple of them got let go yesterday after we broke our story, uh, you know, reporting that there were a number of lacrosse players and still family members uh, related to being French that were in government. Well, apparently they're all gone now, uh, and the, the Premier's office is trying to kind of clean house uh, and flip the page. On Thursday, during the Cabinet shuffle, a press conference right after that, he said he wanted to kind of put year one behind him, that there were missteps, and look forward to year two. He certainly has not been able to do that in the past couple of days. No, it certainly has spun completely out of his control if he thought that perhaps that was going to be a capper to year one. So that is it. That is the situation at Queen's Park where the Frenchies, if I may use that term, ain't that a kick in the head? Am I right or am I right, Travis Derage? You're always right, Al. Thank you. Travis. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Thank you so much. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? The room was completely black. I hugged her and she hugged back. Like the sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a boat? Summer is in the offing. Time to kick back. Boris Johnson, perhaps the next Prime Minister of Great Britain. What are you up to, sir? I make things. I make buses. Thank you. That is Boris Johnson talking about what he does in his spare time. Perhaps in your spare time, you like to head out to the Toronto parks. We have beautiful parks all over the city. Perhaps you'd like to go out for perhaps, I don't know, a little bit of a birthday party with the kids. Let's listen into a little bit of that. Isn't that nice? Isn't that bucolic? Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here comes the bylaw officer to pop those balloons because you know what? Those balloons are not allowed. Neither of these people. None of you people are belong here. Give me the cake. I don't I don't care if you're crying, kid. The rules are the rules. Rose Burroughs is manager of bylaw enforcement uh, at the City of Toronto and joins me on the line. And Rose, hello and thank you so much for being with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm certain that the bylaw officers are not that much of killjoys. They don't go in and take kids' cakes away. Am I right? You're correct. The bylaw officers are, are basically um, there to enforce the bylaw. However, um, as you know, City of Toronto Parks are an extension of the backyard for people in the city. And it's something for people to relax and enjoy the, the green space that Toronto has. We have beautiful green space. However, our job is to protect the health and safety of all park users. And it's important that residents and visitors follow the rules outlined under the City of Toronto Parks bylaw, which is uh, Municipal Code Chapter 608. Our uh, producer recently had an experience, and this is where we get this audio of this uh, this birthday party, where there was some birthday par- there's a birthday party in the park, and I guess there were two families that combined, and the bylaw officer said, "No, there's more than 25 people here. You need a permit for that." Yeah, the bylaw officer is correct uh, with respect to that. So uh, a permit, so anything involving a gathering involving more than 25 people, um, you do need a um, a permit for that, um, and same with. Uh, permits to use fire pits or, or barbecues um, and to sell food and drink and uh, do anything organized, uh, sports or art displays, they do need permits. But anything under 25, like a gathering of under 25 people, does not require a permit. So if I can invite 24 of my closest friends, my 24 acolytes can come 
and uh, for the you know for the cult service that we have, that's fine as long as it's twenty four. Well, twenty. Okay, so twenty five people for a gathering, and it it, it yeah. If it's 24, that should be, it should be okay. See, another thing we do is when the bylaw officers are at the parks, um, our key messaging is we, we build on education, partnerships, and enforcement is the last piece. So, frankly, we're out there to build relationships so people see us, a visible presence in the park, um, to educate people and uh, and to just, you know, so they can still enjoy the, the green space, but at the same time, just be aware of various uh bylaw issues. Here I'm looking at the bylaw from 608-32, speed. The maximum rate of speed for vehicles, motorized recreational vehicles, bicycles, and personally powered devices in a park is 20 kilometers per hour. My question is, with the advent of so many e-bikes, electric bikes, electric scooters, electric longboards, you name it, all of them go far in excess of 20 kilometers per hour, how is the city dealing with that? Well, the city will again deal with it on a case by case basis. Um, we we personally will address complaints. So, if there's a complaint that comes in with respect to uh, a speeding e bike or Segway or something, then we will address that. Um, those are considered recreational vehicles because um, the bicycle itself or a scooter powered by foot, like manual powered, that is not a recreational vehicle. However, there are people in the city with mobility issues and they require the use of e-bikes or, or scooters or segways. And those are, um, we have exceptions to those. We, we make an allowance. So again, it's, it's a key. But the case. speed limit is, is, is sort of what I'm getting at here. Are we going to get to a point where we have officers with uh, radar guns and I mean, I, 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 do, I do in excess of 20 on my bike, no problem. Right. Well, the speed limit, is, according to the bylaw, is, is 20. But no, we do not have radar guns. And, uh, it's, again, it's a public safety thing, right? So as long as the, the bikes are, the people on the bicyclists are, are um, taking into consideration pedestrians and, and, and children and stuff, then, yeah, we're not going to be out there with radar guns, no. All right, thank you so much. That is Rose Burroughs, Manager of Bylaw Enforcement with the City of Toronto. Thank you, Rose. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you. And I feel for that kid that was at that birthday party. You know, I do feel for that kid, but I'm sure it was just fine. Oh, poor kid. (laughs) Let's move on to ride-sharing drivers, shall we? Uh, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers. And there's news now that there are a number of Uber drivers have now joined a union, namely the UFCW. And on the line is Pablo Gudoy, who is national coordinator with the union. They just held a press conference to talk more about why there is this push to unionize uh, share drivers. Uh, hello, Pablo. Hi, thanks for having me. Why do do we need a union? Why do these workers need a union? Uh, well, they've come to us in, in the hopes of helping them ensure that uh, a company like Uber listens to some of their issues. They have felt over the last uh, several months that their concerns that they've tried to raise have gone unlistened to, unheard, and not addressed. Uh, they've thought that UFCW Canada might be able to help them out in making sure that their voices and experiences are being heard by decision makers, be it at Uber, but also legislatively. Um, and then we're more than happy to, to comply with that request. Any worker anywhere that uh, wants to access his or her rights um, as a worker 
should be entitled to, and we believe that we're a vehicle to help workers do so. Give me a sense of how the process in this province works then from this point about trying to unionize or be able to, uh, you know, then go and bargain with Uber or Lyft or whomever. Well, I think part of the problem in, in, in this industry specifically is that the lack of regulation or policy as it exists uh, with platform employers is what's making it a bit difficult to go down traditional forms of unionization. Uh, and that's why our model is one that's hoping to respond to the needs of Uber in, Uber drivers specifically, uh, directly addressing the needs of the drivers that have signed up with us. Um, the traditional model, unfortunately, isn't accessible to Uber drivers because currently we feel they're being misclassified, uh, not as employees, but as subcontractors, the decision or a classification that Uber gives and not necessarily something that's been uh, tested quite uh, uh, appropriately yet. Critics will immediately point out that the moment a union comes in, that that will take away any kind of nimbleness that Uber or any other companies would have. It will likely drive up prices. And then all of a sudden we have regulations and basically we have a second taxi industry instead of actually having ride sharing. Well, I mean, first and foremost, our concerns are, are to bring up the voices and address the issues that members are bringing to, to us. Um, and those concerns are valid. They need to be listened to. And our understanding uh, of, of those issues are, are ones that Uber could come to the table and address. And so first and foremost, that's who we uh, are, are interested in, in helping out when it comes to or bringing those voices to the fore. When it comes to uh, that common refrain, I think that the discussion needs to be had to, with Uber to see what it is that is possible, what changes can be made that don't necessarily have to download any type of costs onto the Uber driver or onto, onto clients themselves. Uh, and I think that's, that's a common misconception that uh, unions are interested in driving up prices. Prices on goods, services across Canada rise all the time, independent of whether or not those workplaces or those goods and services have union representation or not. We're simply saying there's some issues here. We think that they can get better. We think that Uber should be accountable, and there's some things that shouldn't cost a dime, things like respect, things like having a, a grievance procedure or an ability to voice a concern and it be actively or appropriately resolved with due process aren't things that have to necessarily cost a single dime and aren't things that should be downloaded onto drivers or clients, customers. In your news release, you cite a uh, recent study by the Economic Policy Institute that calculated that after cost, most Uber drivers earn less than $10 an hour. I guess this, what what I have a hard time with is that, you know, most Uber drivers I talk to, and I was like, well, I do this, you know, after on the weekends, or not everybody's a full-time employee. And I guess if you're not making the money you think you should be making, don't do it. Well, I mean, I don't think that that's, a, in our opinion, it's necessarily a, a valid uh, argument. If things need to be changed or rectified, we shouldn't say just don't simply do it. I don't think that's really a, a Canadian approach to things. I think it's okay to want to better things for yourself, and if not for yourself, for the next person that does this type of work. Uh, when it comes to, you know, whether or not people drive part-time or full-time, most of the people that have come forward and that are talking to us are people that are logging 50, 60, upwards to 100 hours at a time on the app many of which actually actively log those hours in their car, in the queue, waiting for uh, rides or, or fares. And uh, what we're saying is that there has to be a better way. Pablo, I know that it was the uh, press conference just over an hour ago, but any response yet from Uber or Lyft? Not as of yet, but I can tell you that there, as, as we were at the press conference, we had 
a dozen uh, workers that actually came here to sign a card. We've actually had uh, signed cards. We've actually had an outpour online digitally with people reaching out to our union and asking to uh, sign up for the union, but uh, no response from Uber as of yet. Pablo Godoy is National Coordinator with UFCW, who has signed up a number of rideshare drivers and held a press conference earlier this morning. Thank you, Pablo. Appreciate you Thank being you. with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. couple of steamy stories for you from Billings, Montana. Steamboat Geyser in Yellowstone National Park set a record earlier this month for the shortest recorded interval between eruptions at just over three days. The Billings Gazette reports the June 15th eruption at 4.40 p.m. came just three days, three hours, and 48 minutes after a major eruption on June 12th. So somebody's getting frisky in Montana. But in Texas... A Texas school district has fired a substitute teacher after receiving a tip that she made pornographic videos that included footage recorded in a classroom. Now, police say no students or other staff members were involved in the videos, portions of which were filmed in a classroom and a workroom, and apparently were intended for the Internet. The police chief in the area says the woman, quote, closed the door and had clothes on in the school footage, no criminal charges, are expected. Now, what did you think of those previous two stories? Did you believe them? They're as legitimate as I can tell because I got them from our newswires. But a new study globally finds that there is a decrease in trust in traditional media. The The poll done by Ipsos found that These mediums, whether we're talking newspapers and magazines, television or radio, even online, these mediums, the perception of trust has declined over the last five years. And at the global level, people believe that there is a great deal of fake news in newspapers and magazines as well as on TV and radio. People are particularly skeptical of the information they receive online in news websites and platforms. 62% overall say the information they provide contains a great deal of fake news. Daryl Bricker is the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs and is behind this poll. Hi, Daryl. Hey, how you doing, Alan? I'm good. Uh, fake news... When you looked at the worldwide phenomenon, is there a belief worldwide that the stuff we hear and see and read is just not true? Well, I, you know, the average, and I, I think you've done a pretty good job of summarizing it, is, is that there is, that there's a lot out there. It depends on the medium, but it, it affects all media. And uh, disproportionately, people believe that it's, it resides online, but it does get picked up by the, by the regular media. And... Um, it also depends on what country you're in. There's some countries that just have absolutely no trust at all in the media because this was a, a study that was done, I think, in 28 countries. And where you where you where you sit is where you stand on this one. So if you live in a place like Serbia, you don't believe anything. 
Uh, but, you know, there are some places, like, for example, uh, in uh, some of the Middle Eastern countries, that actually there's a fair amount of trust in the, in the media. And, and uh, uh, Canada usually sits in the upper third in terms of trust. So Canada's down, but tends to be better than most of the rest of the world. When we talk about public broadcasters, and there are there's going to be people who are listening right now who will just say that I just simply don't trust anything that I see on the CBC because it is a state broadcaster and it has a vested interest in its own survival, and therefore it reports differently on governments that are investing in the CBC as, to ones, as opposed to ones that are cutting. What did the survey say about trust in public broadcasters? Well, it actually is pretty good. Um, the uh, There is a bit of a discount if you go to places like Russia, for example, and what they happen to think about the public broadcast. But no, in Canada, it's pretty good. I think that most of the conversation about that, about political intention in the media, uh, tends to be a pretty elite conversation. And it's usually people who don't like what's going on that are having that conversation. But as far as the general population is concerned, uh, the, the bigger question on people's minds is the, is the decline of trust in media in general, not specifically a particular broadcaster. Often when you hear this talked about, you just the, the fingers just go right to Trump. And Trump saying, you're fake media, and this sort of breaking down of trust in traditional media. Do, do you see a correlation there? Well, I think that there's a, there's a, you know episodes that have occurred coincidentally. So there's the the issue with Donald Trump. There's obviously the issue with Brexit. If you if you take a look at what happened in Europe, but there's also been a number of other elections in which you know social media uh, in particular has been at the center of, of of a fair amount of controversy. So yeah, there's some coincidental aspects to it. But really, uh, what it's also come along with this is a general growing sense of distrust in social media companies, particularly the largest ones. So there's a whole uh, a whole stew of things that are happening right now, uh, Trump being part of it, that leads people to believe that maybe I shouldn't be trusting everything that I see, particularly in a digital environment, because there's a big discount for anything that people see on, in, uh, online in comparison to, say, for example, to more traditional media. Daryl Bricker is CEO with Ipsos Public Affairs. Always great talking to you, Daryl. Thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks, Alan. Uh, over there is Boris Johnson, who, of course, was uh, in favor of Brexit. What are you up to, Boris? I make things. I make buses. That's nice. Quick snack update for you here. This from our business wire. Cheerio cereal maker General Mills has reported quarterly sales way down. Shares down 6%. Why? Here I'm quoting. They've been hit by lower snack demand. Wow. And so does this happen to you when you see something like that and you just think, well, now I've just got to go down an Internet rabbit hole here because I did not know that there was a worldwide lower snack demand. So then I checked. This is Reuters earlier this year talking about the Campbell Soup Company. This is just earlier this year. The 150-year-old food company struggling with slowing demand for soups is doubling down on snacks. And sales in global biscuits and snacks have jumped 37% to $1.15 billion in the third quarter of 2018. So now you think, wait a second, what's with this biscuit deal? Did you know that there's something called the global sweet biscuit market? So I Google that. The global, the global sweet biscuit market is forecast to reach $109.4 billion by 2024. It is growing at an exponential rate. And the growing preference for convenient snacking means that 
Sandwich biscuits are now growing at the fastest pace, owing to diversified flavor ranges and growing preferences among kids in the younger generation. So what, what is, hold on, what, let's get back to this biscuit definition. A plain sweet biscuit is demanded and consumed by every economic section around the world. Their growth rate is expected to increase at a consistent rate. Moreover, this type of biscuit is easily available, which makes it a more preferred choice by consumers. It can be consumed at any time. So this is, this is the canary in the coal mine. I never realized it's all based on biscuits. And this, from Research and Markets on the Newswire, August of 2018, demand for biscuits is increasing due to the innovative packaging, new flavors, shapes, and technologies. Biscuit is just code word for cookie, is it not? Cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C. It's all about the cookies, ladies and gentlemen. That is how the cookie crumbles. I want to swing the way we used to do in the day and get a little of your biscuit breakfast. And I didn't believe it when they told me you were only doing this for practice. They all say, We Some quick news from the British Royals, where Britain's Prince William says it would be, quote, absolutely fine, unquote, if one of his children came out as gay, though he would worry about how the public would respond. William making those comments today while visiting a London nonprofit group, the father of three saying, and I'm quoting here, it worries me not because of them being gay, it worries me as to how everyone else will react and perceive it, and then the pressure is then on them. And I think that's perceptive. I think that that is a common thing for all fathers, all mothers as well. Worry. That is everything that comes with parenting. And I don't think that before I was a father, you know, and it was imminent, people said to me, well, you're gonna, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I just did not... I just don't know if I expected two things. One, to laugh so much, because kids are hysterically funny. Your own kid, I tell you, there's something about it. I don't know, it's genetically programmed. Your own kid is the funniest comedian you're ever going to meet. I tell you that. That is true. They are funny, they're engaging, and they just do amazing things for your own life and for your own perception of the world. But one of the things they also do is they just cause you to worry endlessly. And my daughter today is graduating from grade 8. It's grade 8 graduation. I'm so, so proud of her. But it made me think a little bit more about 8th grade. Because grade 8 has, it's been okay for my daughter. It has not been a highlight. I think she is absolutely ready to move on to the much bigger confines of a high school where she might be able to find her tribe a little more easily. There's a great movie making the rounds right now. It's actually called Eighth Grade, and you can watch it on pretty much a, a number of uh, streaming services. Here's a little bit of the trailer from it. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. 
That is a trailer from the movie Eighth Grade, which is currently streaming. And Rolling Stone says of the film that the first-time filmmaker, Bo Burnham, a 27-year-old comedy and music dude from YouTube, has taken the tiniest details in the life of a 13-year-old girl moving through the digital age, filtered them through his own madly inventive headspace, and created the kind of movie that leaves you laughing hysterically or fighting back tears often simultaneously. It's not a documentary, though it often feels like one, and that reaction of both laughing hysterically or fighting back tears, also, I think, common to a lot of parents, especially to a lot of parents of tweens. And to talk more, not about this movie, but about the experience of being 13, if you're a parent, if you have kids moving through that age, or if you're just thinking about, you know, when you were in grade 7, grade 8, and grade 9, because I can tell you those were ugly years for me, and I think for a lot of people. Dune Etsy is a parenting expert and co-author of the books Raising Great Parents and joins me on the line. Uh, Hello, and thank you so much. Hello, Alan. So tell me more about key strategies for parenting, especially kids in that grade 8 to grade 9 transition. Well, I think that one of the main things for parents to remember is what you mentioned about tribe. All kids want to belong, and they want to feel respected in the group. So first, they have to find their friends. They have to find where they actually belong. Are they a sports jock? Are they a nerd? Are they into computers? Are they more social? Where do they fit in? And then once they've found that little group, then they want to be respected in the group. So they want to be themselves for sure, but they also want to build connections and make sure that the people in their group respect them and include them and think that they're cool. And it's not a a bad thing to feel that you're desirable in the group because everybody needs a group. It's a survival skill. Uh, The kids who are way out, you know, away from all groups and don't have friends, those are the kids who are at risk for various things. And I think now these days with social media, it becomes very anxiety-provoking for kids because they have to get back to their friends immediately for every text and be on top of the likes and so on. So that's a source of anxiety for kids today. Absolutely. And, And I've talked to other parents, parents who have kids in grade 9 and grade 10, and they talk about this with me, and they say, you know, everything is about the social media, and it's not just about what you put on social media, but the, like, why did, why did this not get enough likes? Why did this, like, you know, enough of my friends are not liking this, therefore I am, you know, I'm not worth something. It's, it, 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 all of that reflects back on self-worth. Yes, it's a disaster for kids. I mean, it was bad enough before social media, and now with social media, it's just extrapolated into a way worse issue for kids. For parents, it's really important to explain that just because they get more likes, that it doesn't mean they're a better person. It just means that they're on social media more. And I think the parents also have to tell their kids that a lot of the Instagram and Facebook posts are curated. It doesn't mean that the people, that their lives are actually like that. They're only posting the best moments. And they, everybody else also has times where they're bored or lonely or sad or depressed. Their lives are not like their photos all the time. 
Dune Esty is a parenting expert and a co-author of the book Raising Great Parents. Leave me with some positivity, if you if you could. I'm going to a grade 8 graduation today. I know there's probably a lot of parents, a lot of people out there listening, talking about, well, you know, this is something that's happening. Give me a sense of, okay, everything's going to be all right. So parents can't change the world out there, but they can certainly lower the tone of conflict in their own home. If we're yelling at our kids and uh, being angry and arguing with them all the time, we're contributing to the problem. If parents can understand to lower their tone, be more respectful of their kids, then we can actually help our kids get through this much better. If you stop yelling, things will get better. That's great advice. Thank you, Dean. Appreciate you being on the program. You're very welcome. We have a quick time for a little bit of rip and read here where I take some news stories. I've never seen them before. I read them ice cold. For this, I will need a beat, sir. Ain't nobody fresh like me. That's right. This anchor, so fresh, so clean, ripping, reading. A new hope. Seal learns to sing Star Wars theme. Researchers at Scotland's University of St. Andrews have coaxed a seal to sing the first notes of the Star Wars theme song and also Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. In a video released by the university, a gray seal named Zola hears a computer play the first seven notes of the Star Wars theme and barks the tune back. Disney lawyers have now sued. Hundreds of extinct creatures found in Honduras, lost city of the monkey god. Conservation International's rapid assessment program spent three weeks trudging through a rainforest in Honduras and found a treasure trove of rare and endangered species, some of which were thought to be completely extinct. Well, how's about that? 30 species of bat, amphibians, reptiles, all of them. So good. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to get out of here. Jungle Man. Ah!